The Smoke Show is sponsored in part by HODL Services. If you're looking for a disc jockey, karaoke host, to videographer, our company can help. With over 17 years of experience, we would be happy to assist with your special event. You can contact us at 226-988-2895 or visit us at our website at hodlservices.vpweb.ca. That's H-O-D-D-L-E, Services. We look forward to hearing from you and helping with your special event. Turn it up and up and up. We want it louder. Up and up and up. Turn it up and up and up. We want it louder. Up and up and up. We're gonna get the music rocking. Gonna get the body jumping. Wanna get the party popping round there. We're gonna get the wall shaking with the noise we will be making. Gonna get the party popping round there. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Smoke Show here on the FHN Network. I'm Dark Guy, my co-host Drury, and I'm uh, diving right into this. There's no pleasantries here today. Uh, nope. This is about to get as spicy as my cup here. Uh-oh. Fireball whiskey? Spice rum. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Unleash the Kraken, buddy. Let's go. What, I, I know I'm going to let you just go off and then I'll offer my afterthoughts. I'm, I'm, I'm two sides of the fence here, okay? Uh, first and foremost, I'm decked out in Leafs regalia head to toe. Uh, that's on purpose. Uh, I'm wearing my Tavares jersey. That is also on purpose. Real tough to swallow a loss last night when you are up four goals. You got a 5-1 lead with minutes to play in the second period. Uh, somebody put the odds out to me today that it was like, they at that point in time, they were like a 99.97% chance of winning the game. Uh, Ottawa was like, oh, 273 and whatever. Uh, when trailing by four goals uh, after two periods. And the Leafs, in in Leafs' epic fashion, somehow managed to lose that game. I have a, a lot of, of, of feelings about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little frustrated by that, like most of Leafs' nation. There's an alarming trend that has been part of this team, uh, for the last few years, and, and I'm not even going to connect it back to teams of long ago because uh, there's no correlation, but it, it, it's this core group. But that being said, I am still not going to go off the deep end and overreact here and say, trade everybody, fire everybody. Like, I just, I, I don't get that side of, of Leafs Nation. Um, I don't get that side of social media. Uh, I don't think I ever will. For as angry and frustrated as I am to see a team that is supposed to be that good give up a lead to the Ottawa Senators uh, and lose that game, I'm, I'm more angry about the amount of people going off the deep end on social media. Um, 
we know it's not always the most health, most healthy place, but how do you live your life so negatively? Like, how do you just like, I don't get it. I, I, I the team lost. We should have won. It's the Ottawa senators, but have you, have you not been watching sports your entire lives? Have you not seen teams play above their heads and beat the number one team? Have you not seen great teams play down to the, their opponent's level? It happens. You know, somebody said to me today that great teams don't lose games like that. Do you really want me to go through history and name every single bad defeat the Edmonton Oilers had in the 80s? Some of the runs the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was a below 500 team one of the years they won the cup until, until uh, they decided to, to start playing uh, in January. I get it. There's frustrations, but, and there are some moves that I, I would make and we, we will get to that. But for the love of Christ, take a breath, stop harassing each other on, on, on Twitter. It's okay to have some concerns without thinking the entire world is falling. It's, it's okay to have concerns and still be loyal. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. We're all cheering for the same team. Have respectful conversations, have knowledgeable conversations, and try to put your points across uh, with, with, with a little class, with a little educated research, and, and talk with some dignity instead of just harassing people because they don't agree with you. Like, ah! Yeah, it's uh I was thinking about you a lot last night, man, and and I'll be honest, I I wasn't really thinking much about you and Leafs Nation up until about nine o'clock Eastern time, give or take, because I started uh, honestly like I I turned the game off and switched to another game and was watching a little MLB network. I was keeping up on some of the signings and everything. Just, I thought, you know, it's five, one, I saw the fifth goal go in and I thought, you know what? Like they're, you know, they're, they're beating up on the senators. It's another bad night for the Sens, and, and that's a bummer. And so I turned it off and then, and then the last thing I saw was the bad giveaway which everybody's going back to. And I know you're, you're wearing your Tavares Jersey, you know, obviously people need to relax with him a little bit. Yeah. He, that was a, awful inexcusable giveaway but it's five two and i'm like oh okay like no big deal they killed a they killed a double minor did they not and they scored with nine seconds left yeah in the period and i I just thought oh that was a leafs thing to happen right you kill the double minor and seconds later they score which is essentially a power play goal anyway but yeah sure i mean it, it and and that's you know, that's never good. And especially from a veteran leader on your team, one of the guys who's supposed to be one of the better defensive players on your team, but he made a mistake. Like, you know, great players make mistakes. Um, Michael Jordan made mistakes. He brought up the Oilers in the eighties. I mean, you know, do we have to ring up footage of the miracle on Manchester? The Oilers, I think were up five, one or four, nothing in that game. And the Kings came screaming all the way back. They lost the series, but you know, like that happens. That team had like <laughs> that team had Gretzky, Messier, you know, Yari Curry coffee. Like they, it happens. I, I think that, I tuned back in at five, four and was like five, four, what the hell happened? And, and then Ottawa tied it. Would they tie it with three, three or four minutes left? 
And in overtime, when they dug the puck from behind the net and Riley headed in the slot and Matthews was wide open for a one-timer, I was I, I just saw it developing from the cam- great camera angle they had, and I thought, oh, it's over here. Now I saw Matthews slink away to the edge of the circle and cock the stick back, and I was like, yeah, it's over. He's going to bury this. And Riley, another just self-awareness mistake, didn't see him, and he tried to force a shot through three Ottawa Senators, and he didn't see Matthews. They turned it over, and Dadnov went screaming the other way. Um, everyone's on top of Freddie as well. Freddie can't close out games and blah, blah, blah. I thought one of the goals was a little stinky on Freddie's part. The other ones, I mean, the overtime goal, like what the hell are you going to do? Dadnov's a pretty quality player. He walks in with nobody near him. He had all kinds of time to think about what he was going to do. And he snaps one through him. What are you going to do with that? Martin Brodeur let breakaways in. The only goal I had a problem with was the one where Shabbat shot it from the point and there was a little, and he, he misread the play and overcommitted to the blocker side a little bit. And they beat him on a rebound or a deflection off someone's skate. I can't remember. That was the only one where I thought, boy, Freddie looked a little off there. I didn't think any of the other goals were, you know, reflected horribly on him. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a game where I think that, like you said, I'm on two sides of the fence as well, where you kind of go, listen, they're still in first place. They're still a really, really good team. And they're poised to probably, they should be poised to do something special this year and win one, if not multiple playoff rounds based on the way that the league is set up this year. The other side of it though, is that whole argument of you are what you are till you aren't. And so, like you said, there have been a number of instances over the years with this particular team. I don't know if you can count, you know, the Washington series, those guys, their young kids were like all rookies then. And you could really chalk that up as learning experience, but twice to the Bruins, the David Ayers game, which by the way, people were saying this is the most embarrassing Leafs loss in in regular season history. It's not even close, not even close. A Zamboni driver that works for the minor league team that was wearing Leaf gear beat them in a third period. A 42-year-old Zamboni driver. It's not even close. Uh, Ottawa had an NHL player in net last night. How is that even remotely as bad as a Zamboni driver that worked for the team. I sound like Steve Dangle right now. Like that's not even close, but that's where the merit of the other side of the fence is, is, is people freaking out and going, it's the same old team. They're still immature. They still have mental lapses and they just quit on games. And that's a fair argument. Like I said, you are what you are till you aren't. I went through it for a decade with the Capitals. It, their year they're going to win the cup this year all eliminated by montreal eighth seed that's great uh oh it's their year this year twice pittsburgh both times great rangers in in triple overtime game seven it's the caps year nope like i've seen this movie and that's why people are freaking out are there some criticisms that i think are decently fair and pointed yeah I think William Nylander is playing his worst stretch of probably seven or eight games now as a Maple Leaf, as a pro hockey player that I've ever seen him play. He, and I, the Nylander haters, I'm sure Todd Shapiro is 
is freaking out right now and going, yes, Ryan, I, the Nylander haters, they love to crap on this guy. And legitimately so, he's been awful. What's he got? Five shots in the last six games. He's floating around. Like, he's just sailing around. Like, he's like a, he's like a boat without a paddle on a, on a raging river. It's, he, he wants nothing to do with physical contact. That's right. That, that's very good criticism that he deserves. He sucks right now. I thought John Tavares played one of his worst games as a Maple Leaf. The the giveaway aside, I thought he was soft on a lot of pucks. He he just looked a little off. I don't know if he just like looks injured. Like he's still putting up a decent amount of points. He's got one even strength goal. He makes eleven million dollars. That's why people are gonna crap on him. This guy makes eleven million. He's got one even strength goal giveaway and everything. I relax with him. We know what that guy's all about. It was, I think it was just a really bad loss. I'll equate it almost to, and I know this is an unfair comparison because the Patriots had won championships already, but a few years ago, I believe it was 2018 when, when they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. I think that year they started one and three or one and two, and they lost a game to somebody and it's escaping me who they lost to maybe Miami. And Bill Belichick said, we're on to Cincinnati. And then they kicked the crap out of the Bengals. Do you remember that? When Bill Belichick said that? And everyone was like, Tom Brady's done. He can't throw the ball. He threw three picks that game, I think, including a pick six. I can't remember who it was that beat them. But then Bill just said, listen, we're going to be fine. We're on to Cincinnati. They won the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that the, the Leafs deserve that level of benefit of the doubt. They don't. They've never won anything. They haven't won a playoff series in forever. But... Big picture with this loss in particular. I think it's a bump on the road and something that they need to internalize and say, we cannot let that happen again. And they played the Sens two more times this week. They better win both those games in semi-convincing fashion or people will continue to freak out and go, boy, I've seen it already. You know, good thing Boston and Tampa aren't in our division this year because we'd be in fifth. And that's part of the concern. Maybe they would be. I don't know. But this is what's in front of them. And they can't lose games like this to the Ottawa Senators. It just reflects so poorly on what they're trying to do here. Those are wins you just have to have. I don't know. I'll let you expand on it because I know you have a lot of thoughts on a number of players I brought up there. Well, the the first thing I'll, I'll touch on is right at the end, you know, People are saying, well, thank God Boston and Tampa is not in this division. We've seen this Leafs team play very well against the top teams. It goes back to exactly what I was saying. Unfortunately, and and it shouldn't happen, but it does. Unfortunately, you get comfortable. It doesn't matter if you're a professional or not. And yes, they're making millions of dollars. So we hold them to a higher standard to not let Mm. this happen. But you will occasionally play down to a team. You will get up by a couple runs in baseball, a couple baskets in basketball, and and take your foot off the gas because, you know, you maybe you start looking ahead to the next game or thinking about what you're having for dinner afterwards. I don't know, but it happens. It's unfortunate that, that, that it happened to the Senators. 
they are the last place team in the NHL, but they have a team of guys that don't give up. And, and a lot of times, a majority of the time even, hard work and a little heart will beat talent. We saw it with Columbus and, and, and Tampa in the playoffs a few years back. We see it time and time again. And that, that kind of just, you know, you, it's easy to say we'd be in fifth, but you know what? Maybe we'd be in a better spot if Tampa was in and, and Boston was in our division because you, you might go in with a different mindset that it's, not, that it's Tampa and not the Ottawa Senators. And again, I'll be the first to say when you're getting paid $11 million, 10 million, 10.9, 11.5. There should be a level of professionalism that that you don't do that. However, they are humans and and things like that are going to happen. The day you can per- permanently get that type of psychology out of every sport, that person's going to be a millionaire because everybody's going to be wanting to have have that 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 program presented to their team you know they're going to want that seminar that person speaking to their team teaching them how to completely block those things out but again a lot of times heart will beat skill grit grit will beat skill and and that kind of leads me back into your your Nylander conversation um I'm not a Nylander hater I'm a Nylander realist and the reality of it is, it's time to pack your shit and go. I said it a week ago or two weeks ago. I said it a year ago on our show together. I saw it, said it two years ago. This guy is not going to be a part of you winning a Stanley Cup. You have to be able to bring it night in, night out. And he brings it one shift Every 10 games. Like you say this is the worst stretch of five or six games that you've seen him play. I would say this is the norm of what you see. This, this guy doesn't back check. He doesn't forecheck. He doesn't go to the gritty areas. He turns away from checks. He lets up on pucks, both offensively and defensively. It's like if that puck isn't within one stride or one stick length of him, He's not making the effort to get there. This guy does not bring anything that is going to be a contributing factor. Because you know what? When it boils down to it, I will take a Nick Robertson or, or a, a Travis Boyd in the lineup who, who's going to grind it out when that game gets tough and the space disappears and doesn't give up on plays over a William Nylander. I am just... I don't know, and, and see, this is where some of the, the fan frustration comes in and, and they, you start to see the fire dubis and all this kind of stuff. One, Nylander should, have been, Nylander should have been benched twice last night. Nylander should have been benched probably 10 times in the last week, okay? The amount of times he gave up on pucks on the forecheck, the amount of times he gave up on pucks on the back check, just coast it, coast it, like – you see, you see he has a chance to get the puck, and here comes Nylander, not even striding, just watching the play. Like, you realize you're playing the game, right? You're not dark eye in the stands with your face painted. You're actually playing the game. Like, get involved. Get engaged. And you know what? Maybe, maybe 
Sheldon Keefe could take a little page out of John Tortorella's book and say, you know what, Nylander? That's not how we play on this team. Either either you're going to show a little bit of heart and take some pride in your teammates that you're playing for up and down this bench, or you're not going to play. And and for me, if there's going to be one change, it's not Freddie. Freddie's just fine. Dubas has put together a, a pretty decent squad here. You got to keep in mind somebody like Wayne Simmons, who who could have went out and maybe thrown a couple big checks and and stopped the momentum, or or gone out and dropped the gloves with somebody and swung the momentum back in Toronto's favor. He wasn't in the lineup. It's not mm-hmm. an excuse. At some point in time, at some point in time. Matthews needs, I'm not saying Matthews needs to fight, but Matthews needs to be able to step up and say, you know what? I don't like the way this game's going. I need to do something. Tavares is a captain. He needs to be able to say, hey, I don't like the way this game's going. It's time to do something. Whatever something is. But for me, Nylander, pack it up. You're done. I, I do not have another minute of time for Nylander. And I can't see a Toronto Maple Leafs team having any success with him in the lineup when it comes down to the playoffs. Yeah. Your, your points are valid and yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I, he is, he is one of the most polarizing players in Leafs history. Um, You know, there was a lot of fanfare around him. What was he eighth overall had a really solid first pro year, did really well with the Marlies played a lot played quite a bit of center they tried him there not really the guy you want in the middle um he is only effective this is my biggest criticism i could i could give of nylander aside from saying yeah he won't get involved physically and again we talked about this on on shows past and and on this show um we're not saying, and you bring up Matthews, you don't want him to fight. We're not saying get in a fight or, or something or Scott Stevens, somebody. Just battle, though. Get your body in the way. Like, do something. Lean on a guy. Get involved. Hit, my biggest criticism of William Nylander is he needs others to make him look good. And yeah. I know there are a lot of people out there that, and that's fine. It's your opinion. If this is the type of stuff that you lean on to evaluate a player, fine, I guess. Like there are a lot of fancy stats out there that say he drives, you know, he drives possession and all this other great stuff. Well, here's my, the worst criticism I could make of him. He is only effective when other people get him the puck in comfy areas and he, and he is shooting a lot. Yeah. Like I'm talking six, seven, eight attempts a night, which he's not even doing right now. So what? why I said that this is probably the worst stretch I've seen him play over the last five or six games where what he's got five shots on net, maybe 11 attempts, uh, has barely touched the puck, no points really, um, ineffective on the power play. Like all the things, you know, people were screaming about Patrick Line and why John Tortorella benched Patrick Line. Well, it turned out that that was, you know, for an altercation with a coach and he didn't bench him because he wasn't producing offensively. It was more obviously the coach thing and they wanted him to just be a little more involved. And that's what Winnipeg wanted out of him too. They're, they're in a very similar boat in my opinion, but William Nylander, I don't think I've ever seen him dominate a game just by himself where I went, wow, we, Nylander was by far the best player on the ice tonight. 
maybe on a couple occasions. And it's easy to go, oh, he had he had two goals and an assist one night. But when you really need him in a battle, and we've seen it against particularly the Bruins series, and, and it really stuck out in the Columbus series in the play-in, he, he will not show up when things get tough and guys make it hard for him to find those cushy open spots on the ice where his teammates can't get it to him. Um, I just, you know, I think he's a talented scorer. Here's what I would say about William Nylander and, and to the people that love the guy, they probably hate this opinion. I really don't care. This is what I think of him. Again, I'll say it. You are what you are till you aren't. He is a very talented scorer. He can shoot the puck. He is not a very good hockey player. No. And, and the people that know what I mean, know what I mean. I, I shouldn't have to explain this to, to, to you. If you watch the game, if all you want to do is stare at fan graphs and go, but his shot, his shots. Are, and I'm not his I, heat I, map, but his heat map is awesome. His heat map's awesome. And listen, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not trying to be rude here. I'm not trying to rip on the analytics crowd. I think that there's value in the numbers. I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But if that's all you're basing how you're looking at this player on, like, I'm sorry. It just, it's not enough. And I know for what he gives you production wise, generally, he's on a pretty nice looking contract. Didn't look that way the first year. It looks pretty okay now based solely on some scoring numbers. I know I've said this before. I've said it to you and I've said it to other people that I know, friends of mine that are Leaf fans. And I know I've done this a lot because it makes so much sense to me. Big Washington Capitals fan. I draw so many parallels between where the Leafs are now and where I saw the Caps going. And this, this comparison is just so bang on to me. He is Alexander Semen. That is what he is. He is Alexander Semen. Great shot, can rip the puck, can look really good on a score sheet one night. But Nicholas Backstrom's got to carry him down the ice and get him the puck. This is going to be before anything happens. He is Alexander Semen. This is going to be the one time I defend Alexander Semen, the one and only. Why? Alexander Semen actually got into a fight. No, he didn't, dude. Don't. It's because he was slapping somebody. No, no. He had a temper tantrum and played the bongos on Mark Stahl's head. That. Don't call that a fight, dark guy. You know in your heart of hearts that it's sickening that you called that a fight. That's point, not a fight. The point is... He took his gloves off. Okay. At, at, at some point in time, just like Patrick Laney did the other night and responded to yeah. send his team a message, to send his coach, John Tortorella, a message to say, you know what? I care more than you think I do. He dropped the gloves. He got tagged for it. He took a couple nice. He took a couple nice shots. But at the end, yeah. But the fact of the matter was, he got benched. He got called out, and he responded. One of the biggest things that's been lacking, uh, even going back to to Mike Babcock's reign behind the bench, 
is a lack of willingness to this coaching staff to make anybody up and down that bench accountable. I don't care who it is. Yes, most nights it should be Nylander. And on most occasions, he's the one most deserving. But at some point in time, if the the, the rah-rah messages in the dressing room aren't getting it done, if the players are not taking it into their own hands as the Ottawa Senators are storming back from a four-goal deficit, Coach Keefe needs to do something. He needs to send a message. So whether that's sitting down your captain for some bad, lazy plays, whether that's benching William Nylander because he just doesn't seem to give it most of the time, you got to do something. If if they're not going to respond on their own and and Wayne Simmons isn't in the lineup to, to spark them, your job as a coach is to find a way to motivate your team. Yeah, they're millionaires. Again, they shouldn't need somebody coddling them and saying, hey, you know, time to play the game, guys. But that sports. It happens. Somewhere along the line, somebody in that coaching staff or management needs to take one of those players and make them accountable, make them a healthy scratch, make them watch a a period from, from the bench, you got to do something to make these guys respond if if the message isn't coming through being all nice and friendly in the dressing room. Like, it's a big boy's game. Time to act like a big boy coach. Yeah, and it's hard, right? Because this, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it the there's people saying, you know, fire Dubis, and there are people that just plain don't like him. I think he's done a pretty good job keeping a a really talented roster together. Um, It's one of those things where at the end of the day, we can criticize a coach all we want. We can say this coach sucks. This coach isn't doing this. This coach isn't doing that. The stark reality of it is the coach can't score a goal. The coach can't block a shot. He can't make a save. He can't kill a penalty or not take a penalty and be disciplined and bat in the hatches and protect a four goal lead. No, but what um, the coach can do is I know is bench the guy who's not back checking, who's not forechecking, who's yeah. not willing to put his body in the in between a player and a puck. Yeah, you my I guess my point is you can only do that so many times before a situation comes up where you go. Maybe it's not the coach. Now, yeah, but so many I, times. Sorry, Ryan, but that's a problem. Babcock never did it. Keith has never done it. So it's not even a matter of you could only do it so many times before the message goes deaf or whatever. Like they've never done it. Nylander floats at shift after shift, night after night. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. he's never been benched. It. It's. I, I know. But even if they start doing it, at the end of the day, uh, uh, players are just the way they are, right? And we've seen this across numerous sports where guys just kind of, you know, there are some guys that just float on their own wavelength and want to do their own thing. And he appears to be one of those guys. And and again, I'm not saying that a light can't go on here and William Nylander, Nylander can't become a more consistent 
decent hockey player that can actually contribute in more ways than just sitting in open ice, having a, a teammate make a great play to him and going bar down. That's a talent. It absolutely is. And again, I saw Alexander Semin do it numerous times. He scored 40 goals one year. It was yay fun, but the caps had to, but going back again to the comparison of the two teams, plenty of superstars remember that you know when the rock the red thing started in washington in like 08 and they they had the young guns it was like green semen backstrom and ov boy isn't this fun and it was fun it was fun for a couple years for a couple years it was fun because yeah semen might score a goal and ov would get a hat trick and this would be neat and whatever but they'd have to win like five three four two six five Like it was just all over the place hockey. And then when they got to the playoffs, they'd crap their pants because they didn't know how to knuckle down and play hockey the right way to win a championship. You can win regular season games, six, five and seven, four and whatever, all you want. That's great. Goals are fun and they look nice on highlights. Great. You know, what's really fun. And I'll tell you, it's really fun winning Stanley cups winning championships. That's really fun. I would rather Ovi never score 30 goals again and win one more cup. I'd rather him never score a goal again. If that, if you told me the caps would win the cup this year and, but Ovi would never score again and retire, like sign me up. I, I want to win. And so like, I think Nylander's a, a talented player. I don't think he's a well rounded hockey player I think that there are other issues as well where sometimes and this year he's been very good Matthews and Marner can be guilty of it too and and they're I don't know what's wrong again with John Tavares and I don't necessarily know that something's wrong just he's in a a, a weird rut himself one even strength goal he's supposed to be this great you know two-way player and on most nights he is But sometimes, like, I think that they have a weird conundrum because Matthews and Marner have been making some magic happen on that top line. Do they want to take Marner off? Because Tavares had a career year with Marner on his wing, 47 goals that first year. Boy, that was fun. They didn't win, though. And I'd love your take on this, too. This is something that's not getting as much attention. But Thornton comes back. They immediately throw him on the top line. I thought to myself... And when it was 5-1, I went, well, it doesn't really matter, I guess. But I thought to myself when I saw the lineup last night, why would you do that? Why would you take Hyman off that line that's been so, so good just to put Thornton there? And I get Thornton's a great player, one of the best passers I've ever seen. He's a Hall of Famer first ballot for sure. But why are we shuffling lines around to appease a 41-year-old? And I shouldn't say appease. It's not like Thornton came back and went, you better put me on that line because I'm Joe Thornton. That's not what happened. But why are they trying to ram a square peg in a round hole? And I'm not saying Thornton can't be an effective player, but why now? Is it, I guess, because they thought, well, it's the Ottawa Senators and it doesn't matter if we juggle the lines? That... You know, and I'm not saying that they lost the game directly because of that. It was just a thing that adds on to this crap pudding that Leafs Nation is sucking down today because it, I just went, why? 
Like what for? I don't know what your thoughts are on that. For me, that that's that's a real simple explanation. First and foremost, in in the five games that Thornton played with with Matthews and uh, Matthews and Marner to start the season, he was largely very effective playing the exact same role that Hyman did over the last couple of years on, on Matthew's wing. Hyman's Hyman's role was to be the puck retrieval expert on that line to cause havoc in front of the net. Thornton is able to do that in spades. And when you take a deeper look into the first, the first five games that Thornton was on the line, sure. uh, I mean, he had two points in five games, so it's not like he wasn't contributing, but when you look at, um, you know, and, and this is uh, one of our, our, our analytics that neither one of us are big fans of, but I'm going to tap into it. Expected goals for. Yeah. John Tavares was leading the Maple Leafs in expected goals for on that line. He was doing all the work of, of Hyman. So when you're, when, when he comes back to the fold, and just like you said, Tavares has been, uh, uh, you know, reeling a little bit, maybe not quite looking like himself. He's a little uh, slower, slower afoot. He is. Ne- he has never been one of the fastest skaters in the league. No, it's no. been his brain that has has made him one of the most elite players, and obviously his talent and skill level. But he's never been uh, an upper echelon skater in the NHL. So you bring a guy like Hyman. Who, who, who's been more than proven his, his worth up and down the lineup in, in multiple different lines. You take a guy like that and you now have the freedom to put him on that second line with Joe Thornton, with William Nylander, uh, sorry, with Tavares and Nylander to give that line a presence they really didn't have with Mikheyev or Vesey being there. Hyman's a little more of a spark plug. So he's going to hopefully energize that line, maybe bring Tavares out of his funk, maybe show a, a, a William Nylander who, who, who's been watching him for the last couple of years. So I don't know what's taking so long, but maybe help Nylander figure out how you play to win, how you battle for a puck. And, and that's why they bring him in. The other part to that is Joe's been way too good to be on the third or fourth line. He, he, he that's, that's not even debatable right now. I don't care that he's 40, 42 years old. He's been very good in his limited game so far. So you're not putting him down on the third or fourth line right now. And you certainly can't put him on Tavares' wing and have two of the slowest skaters on your team on the second line. So, so when it comes down to looking at it, Thornton did a great job and, and he proved it again last night. He can play Hyman's role on that line and probably even bring a little more as far as vision and passing ability and puck distribution that then Hyman can, you hope that Hyman can spark Tavares and Nylander. And then you're pushing a guy who doesn't deserve to be up on the second line down the lineup a little bit for me. Maybe I'm looking at it too much as a scout, but for me, it makes perfect sense because there is nothing else I would have done. I, I, I get you don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So why would you take Hyman off that line? But it just made sense. And I think we saw last night from, from Joe's Thornton, uh, from Joe, Joe's performance, he, he, deserves that, that, he deserves that spot until he doesn't. 
Yeah, deserves is a strong word, just simply based on the fact that I think Hyman is exponentially better and more useful right now in that role than he is. And again, that's no disrespect to to Joe. And, and yeah, you're right. He, he had two points last night, I believe, and and fine. And, and that's just one little extra thing that you can nitpick at after a, a bad loss like that. But long-term, I think Hyman belongs on that top line. And, you know, with all the talk about Nylander and boy, you know, we should keep Nylander. Nylander's great. Nylander sucks. We should trade Nylander. I'll say this. I mean, Hyman's in the last year of his deal and what's he making two, two, five or, or 2.5, whatever it is. He he's going to want to raise deserves a raise probably with a four. They could push for a five in front of it. I don't know if he'll get that, but you know, if he lands in the four, 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 five range, like I do whatever I could. And I think Dubis will, cause I think he sees the exponential value and intangible things that a lot of analytics don't track when it comes to looking at a guy like Nylander that Hyman brings to this team that Nylander just doesn't just to pair the two against each other. I would much rather have Hyman on my team any day of the week than, than Nylander. I was just about to say, especially on a team like this, where you've got plenty of high end skill already. Yes. It's neat that he can rip great wrist shots. Yes. I think he, he probably could score 40 goals one year. Uh, Alex Semen did it. His, his counterpart, if, if you will. Um, I don't think like, who cares though? Like who cares? Why does he have to score 40 as a Maple Leaf? Wouldn't you rather, you know, them, and I'm not saying they have to, again, maybe a light will go on, but he better figure it out here because he's slowly becoming just that guy, that seven guy where it's like, boy, you know, you talk to players around the league, look up YouTube videos. Like guys, guys would have those little like player sit downs. The NHL would sit players down and go like, who's got the best wrist shot. They would all say seven, just an incredible wrist shot. But so what? In the grand scheme of things, he doesn't do anything in the playoffs to help you win games. And he's soft on pucks, gives pucks away, has defensive lapses, can't trust him to close a game out. And he was usually on the top line, so they would have to take him off the top line and shuffle the lines around if they were trying to defend a lead. I see the same things with Nylander. And I do think, based on the way he continues to play, that eventually he just won't be here anymore. And I don't know if that's something worth freaking out over because people, I get it. He's so polarizing. Like I said, I do think he's talented and there's something to be said for that. Great. But the way he plays when it's crunch time and when you need a big play, he's not there. He'll turn pucks over. He won't lay a check. He won't just do a simple coverage where he's just spinning around out there at the top of the blue line, waiting for a turnover. Like I've seen this before. Like it, it's, it's young Ilya Kovalchuk. It's, it's Semin. It's like, there's lots of guys that have been like this. They'll have a place in the league because they can put the puck in the net, but in the grand scheme of things, are they going to be a big factor on helping your team win? I don't know. I don't well, think I, so. I, I like to, to toot my own horn a little bit here and say, I do know. <laughs> I just don't think that he has shown that he can be a guy that can really 
force the issue and make the right play. He can make great plays and score goals, but like when it's the playoffs and you, and a guy picks the puck off your stick and you go like this and you reach out the Harry Potter wand waving and you just let the guy float by you, or this is my favorite. He'll be in the top end of the neutral zone and they'll be playing like a four, uh, like a two, two, one, and he'll be on the far side. The winger will get the pass from the center coming down his wing and he'll just drift over there and hang his stick out. God, I just don't, doesn't that drive you nuts when you're watching hockey games and the guy it's his guy and he just reaches out like, see, look, I'm, I'm sort of trying. I close him off. The guy just skates right through his stick. Like he won't engage. I think, I think my, my rant earlier where I said, I don't believe this team Maple Leafs team wins anything with Nylander in the lineup. Uh, (laughs) says all, says all I, I need to say about, about him at this, that point on that, like, they bigger could win with here, they could bigger. win with him. They won't win because of him. Uh, I I I dis- I disagree. He is too much of a liability that teams will exploit when it comes down to crunch time. Uh, no, uh, I, I, I I do I not agree. see the Leafs winning a cup with N- William Nylander in the lineup. It would be uh, hard. So he here here's hard. here's a couple one a little more before we 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 get off the Leafs because it's been like forty five minutes here. Well, it's deserved. Um, I wanted Mark Hunter. Okay, when when we had a As choice, when we had a choice between Dubas and Hunter, I wanted Hunter. Uh, some people might say that it's telling that that Hunter still doesn't have a job in the NHL, uh, so maybe there's good reason for him not getting selected by Toronto. I don't know what that possible reason could be. Uh, He's proven himself to be an amazing hockey mind. That being said, I try to give everybody a chance. Um, I was never a huge James Reimer fan watching him come up through the Leafs system. However, I tried to give him a chance until I couldn't anymore. Uh, and, and then it got to a point where I just, he needed to go. Uh, same thing goes for Dubis. And, I, and I'm, I'm not, on the fire Dubis train. Not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. What happens between now and the off season is going to make or break my decision. So Dubis gained a little uh, grace with me when he brought in Wayne Simmons. My biggest criticism of Dubis and how he's constructed this Toronto Maple Leafs team up until this off season was he was trying to build the replica Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds that won a Memorial Cup. What he failed to realize is that the fundamentals that will win you a Memorial Cup in junior hockey are not going to translate to the NHL. Well, and he didn't even win a Memorial Cup. Oh, well. They, they didn't even win a, an OHL title, did they? Didn't, didn't, uh, didn't they get beat in the – or no, they beat Connor McDavid. Yeah. Uh, right. They won right. an OHL title. They, they didn't won the win OHL the title, Cup. didn't win right. the Memorial Cup. You're I right. I stand corrected. You're right. But he, was, he, he, for the longest time, was trying to take his formula that, that built him an amazing team in the Sioux and was trying to correlate that to an NHL team, and it was never going to work. He just kept going, and, and even 
to this day, you know, he kept drafting those, those fast, quick skating defensemen, even though we've got tons of them in our, we had tons of them in our prospect pool. We kept going after the little grins. We kept going after the Sandines when, you know, there was some guys with a whole lot more of a grittier pedigree available that, you know, argumentatively might be the better player. And yes, nobody has a crystal ball. And as a scout, I know that. But you're, you're, I'm looking at how he was building that team. So he gained a little grace with me this year, going out and, and bringing in a guy like Bogle, bringing in a guy like Simmons. Brody. Brody. Joe Thornton. Yeah. Yep. But what happens between now and then? Like, if, if you legitimately let Zach Hyman walk because you can't afford to keep him because you think Nylander's more valuable – you deserve to lose your job. I think that if you asked Austin Matthews in a candid moment and he was, and, and they, the players would never do this, but I believe if you asked Austin and probably Mitch Marner too, Tavares, any of the big leaders on that team, I bet if you asked them and you had them hooked up to a polygraph and said, would you rather keep Nylander or Hyman gun to your head? I don't think any of them would say Nylander. And again, like, listen, I really hope for the best for the kid. And and this is unfair, but right now he's done nothing to mitigate this criticism. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but he plays the game exactly like his dad did. And I'm not trying to crap on the Nylander family here, but like his dad was a very kind of, you know, iffy player he'd have four points one night but then you know the next night he'd be minus three and he'd be wand waving and i i I mean find me a highlight where michael nylander ever threw a body check (laughs) you know it's just it's just one of those things where the battle exists the game of hockey isn't just zone entries and puck possession you can win the game and not have dominant puck possession that can happen hockey's a wonky game it just it just is bounces go your way but geez wouldn't it doesn't it generally feel better when your team is rushing and hustling to get to the bounce first and muscles a guy off the puck and throws it in front and the and a goal goes in like don't you just walk away from that goal going yeah sick team goal that was great it's fun when guys dangle around and go bar down. It's really, really fun. That's not the reality of how the game is played all the time. People key in on the talented players. They they don't want them to make an impact. And he rarely, if ever, takes it upon himself to go that extra mile. And that's where people get frustrated with him. You can't just watch hockey and evaluate a player through the lens of zone entries and expected goals. I don't care about expected goals. Did you score or didn't you? I don't care what you expected. Like it, that, that concept is silly to me, but I really hope that the kid figures it out. Well, I would love yeah. to see him become a key part of the team and which they're already paying him to do and go that extra mile and become a more reliable player. I would love to see that. And I bet you would too. And if he did, everybody would go, yay, Willie. Here's but right here's- now. Where is it? I don't see where 
It is. There's no change. It's it's not going to happen. Um, Willie needs to go. Now, Kyle, I know you'll never admit it, but you're sitting at home watching the smoke show right now. Because <laughs> you know that when it boils down to it, Dark Eye and Drury, we know what the freak we're talking about. I like to think so. I've... I've got I've got two trades for you, Kyle. One one you should have maybe done in the offseason and never let him go to Montreal. That was a huge mistake. Somebody I wanted in Toronto big time. But here's two moves you can make. Each player is making $5.5 million. So if you can swing a deal for either one of these players, tell Willie to pack his shit and get out. You call up Bergie, you call up Bergie and see if you can swindle Josh Anderson. I don't think Montreal would do it. I don't think Montreal would do it. You I don't know. think Bergie, would. Bergie might Bergie might go for a young guy like Nylander. But or... Anderson's young. Anderson's only 25. Like, I, I don't think Bergie, if I'm Bergevin, I don't do that trade. Or, well, hey, no, no, no. If you need to sweeten the pot. And I, I think Kyle would be smart enough as he's watching this show to know that, hey, maybe you're going to need to sweep the pot with a, a first rounder or, or a top prospect. I don't think they can afford to trade any more first rounders. It, stop, stop right there. If, if you could trade before you won a cup, if you could have traded seven and a first rounder for the one piece that was going to bring you a cup, you would have made the trade just like I would. So you, you call Montreal, you go get Josh Anderson. Or B, you call Philly, figure out how to get Travis Konechny out of the out of them because he should have been a Leaf in the first place. Everybody's heard me talk about that a million times. If I would have been drafting that year, Konechny would be a Leaf, no questions asked. There's your two moves. Yeah, get- you find a way to package Nylander and get either Josh Anderson out of Montreal, Travis Konechny out of Philly. Either one of those players, you have an instant contender in Toronto a team that will compete harder than it does today. I, I don't, I don't think you could convince either GM to do it. Okay, like well, Montreal has, a I don't need room. your negativity here. Kyle's just, listening. I understand what you're, you're after here. And I would rather have both those players than Nylander. And I get it with Anderson. That's easy to say right now. He's having a great start in Montreal. Let's not forget. This is a guy coming off major shoulder surgery. I believe for the second time, because he hurt his shoulder in junior as well. And he scored one goal last year. One Yeah. now. So that's easy to say now connect me. Yeah, of course. I'd rather have Travis connect me than William Neal. Travis connecting. Yeah. That, that trade, if things don't work out with Kyle and they don't win the cup and they've got to eventually in probably a year or two, maybe even three, depending on if they continue to at least make progress in the playoffs could potentially happen. If they don't win a cup with Kyle as the GM, that trade will go. People will revise and go back. They do it now and say, what the hell? hell were you thinking because if if he doesn't trade that pick to go move down and get multiple second round picks which by the way both haven't really you know you know turned into much um and connecting's on this team i will i don't think nylander is here right now because i don't don't think nylander would be here right now 
because Konechny is so much more of an effective player. He and he could have been ours if I was GM at the time. He works his tail off. Well, I think a lot of people were saying, like, the pick was coming to them, and then they announced that they had traded, and everyone was going, oh, man, Konechny fell to the Leafs. We have a draft party every year, and, you know, it, it sounds great in hindsight. Um, you know, you can make yourself sound like a genius. I think I had Konechny on my board at 16 that year. Yeah. And we, we have a money pool where whoever has the most closest picks, right. Wins the money. I had him at 16. I was like, wow, the Leafs are going to get him at 24. Like, that's pretty great. And then I, had, I had him even down. higher. I had him even higher. I think I had him going 12th. Yeah. I, I mean, really quality player. I, I watched him in the OHL Gold Cup. I, I used to do play-by-play for that tournament every year. He was spectacular. He was the best player in that age group among those 15-year-olds at the time by landslide. Um, yeah. I don't know if you could swing those deals. Here's here's something that I think might be a little bit more realistic. Like, what if what if you called up a team like Anaheim? And you approached them and said, we could give you William Nylander, a guy that would inject some goals into your lineup. They're in a rebuild. Perry's gone. Getzlaff will be gone soon. They got Zegris down there in the minors, sizzling, waiting for his chance. He's going to be dynamite. Nylander could slide right in and inject some offense into that lineup. And there are guys on that team that you could target that would be, you know, a great addition to the Leafs. I mean, you're looking at guys like Max Comtois. A pretty gritty guy. He's got five points, I think, in his last four games. We saw what he did at the World Juniors. I know Canada didn't win that year. I thought I thought he was a great junior player. I think he's transitioned really well in the NHL. Big kid. Can kept, throw kept some my, hits. He kept my, t- uh, my Tim Horton streak alive last night, Max. <laughs> did he? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that to me, because the... The only reason I say this, and of course, yeah, if you could swing a deal and get a guy like Anderson right now, who's that big physical presence, a guy like Konechny, who the Leafs probably should have just drafted anyway, um, that'd be nice. I just think maybe it's more realistic to go after a team that's in a rebuild that could potentially move on from a guy, inject Nylander, would take his salary and gladly welcome goals into their lineup and not you know, feel like there's a lot of consequence for separating themselves from a guy that's a little older, potentially. Um, now, Comtois is younger than him, but, you know, to bring in a guy like that to be part of the rebuild and potentially play on the right side with Zegras someday, Nylander would probably look pretty good there. I bet you Anaheim would be a team that would potentially be interested in something like that. Yeah. There's another kid on um, on Anaheim. He's not a kid anymore. He's older now, but there's a guy on that, team that I think would fit in really, really well with the Maple Leafs if they could get him, potentially in a Nylander deal. And I know the Nylander supporters are going to go, no, you can't do that and whatever. I'm telling you right now, if, if you could call up Anaheim and say, what kind of, what kind of shovel would I need to dig up a Ricard Raquel and add a guy like that to the Leafs? This is a guy that's Played with really skilled players. He was on the top line with Perry and Getzlaff. Can score 30 goals. Big. Throws hits. Plays really well. Plays on their penalty kill. 
I think a guy like that, what's he make $3.8 million and his contracts up this year. I, I like, I like, I like the idea of Raquel um, 100%. Somebody I low key target in, in every single one of my fantasy pools every year uh, hits, hits every stat category. Love the kid. But uh, I just, I mean, you, you look, you look across the way I see it is you look across the NHL there, there is a lot of people uh, who hold Nylander in high esteem. And I understand. I think, I think you have to explore that highest value possible and see what you can do. Now, I, again, I agree. I, I like Raquel. I like that idea. I don't, I don't see an Anaheim parting ways with uh, a young guy like, like uh, Maxim Comtois because, yeah, I mean – yeah, he's going to be a part he of their core. He, is, right? he could potentially be their captain someday. But Raquel, who's 28 or 29. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Now, I just think you would be able somewhere along the line to find a guy that you're even going to save yourself four or $500,000 a season on between his contract and, and Willie's that's going to bring a whole lot more to the table. And, and that's why I say, you know, how this all started was I, I've given Dubas uh, enough of a leash uh, to not jump on the fire Dubas bandwagon. Um, I've taken a, you know what? He needs to learn a little bit what's going to work in the NHL and, and, and what's not. He's going to need to figure out what isn't going to carry over from the OHL to the NHL. And like I said, he gained a little grace with me this year because he started to show at least an acknowledgement that, you need to have some grit in your lineup if you're going to be successful when the playoffs start. Now, again, what happens between now and, and the end of the playoffs and next season is going to either make it or break it for me for Dubas. So if you let a guy like, like Hyman go, and, and this is where I do get a little bit nervous because Dubas has been on record saying that William Nylander's never getting traded as long as he's the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow. That's a pretty ballsy statement to make. Wow. Now, they said they wouldn't trade Subban either. So. Well, yeah, but we're, we're not, we're not, we're not Mark Bergeron here. Bergeron, Bergeron says you're not getting traded. It's the kiss of death. You might as well start packing. I know. <laughs> I, I so, he, he could change I, his stance. I know what you're I'm saying. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous that, Dubas is willing to die on that Nylander hill. And, and if he does, then you're going to see a change in, in perspective from, from dark guy towards, towards Dubas. Well, here's, here's the thing with him too, right. And why I brought up earlier with the first round picks thing, he has traded a lot of picks in his time here. And I know that, you know, the window's wide open, the window's now, they've got the star players, they've got all this talent, but they're, the Leafs are in a weird bind in a way because they paid their star young players before they won. Chicago didn't do that. LA didn't do that. They didn't have to. They, they had great teams. They, they lucked out. They won. Um, Washington sort of had to do it really just with Ovi, the rest of the team were on pretty respectable deals, but they've got three guys on the team that they 
bled out cash for and gave them the world. And so in the next couple years, and we're talking about John Tavares, I think he's still a very effective player. Um, He's only getting older. And so if you start creeping to two, three years from now, still haven't won a cup, Matthew's contract's about to expire, still haven't won a cup. Is Nylander still here? I don't know. You know, and, and you've traded away a bunch of first round picks and there's no one coming to replace some of these guys on cost effective deals you start running into some trouble there all of a sudden. And I'm not saying Austin Matthews isn't going to re-sign and be a Maple Leaf. I think he loves being a Maple Leaf. And we're going to dig into this briefly here after we finish this conversation. I don't think he's going to go home and play in Arizona because I don't think they're going to be there in three years. I hope not based on what I read today. But, um, you know, if his contract's about to expire and John Tavares is like 36 years old making $11 million, Marner's still there making all that money and they're scoring lots of points, great, but they still haven't won. Does it start drifting into your mind a little bit? Can we win here? I don't know. And and then also you don't have that quality young talent coming in because let's be honest here, Dubas's draft record is a little spotty so far. Trading away the connect me pick and i mean you look at guys that they just dealt like igor korshkov who was their first pick in the second round uh that year that they ended i think that was the year they got anderson he's turned into now he's alex galchenyuk maybe galchenyuk on his 800th pro team can can contribute i don't know um i think he's going to be in russia by the end of the month he, he was but he, you look at the 30 goal former 30 goal scorer yeah here, here comes optimistic dark guy he's a, he's a 40 to 50 point player for multiple seasons in a row yeah he, he, he was a 30 goal scorer in montreal it's low risk high reward they exactly. didn't really give up a lot Worsovsky, he's a depth guy like he's an AHL lifer and Korshkov, but it, it looks a little bad because you look at it and go, well, Korshkov got drafted in the second round. He was the first pick of that second round and a bunch of guys behind him have turned into really quality NHL players. So the Leafs aren't hitting on those deep draft picks necessarily, let alone all the first round picks that they've traded. And you look at a guy like Liljegren, I don't know how much you can grill them for drafting Liljegren because he was the consensus, like number two pick that year, got mono, played like crap after he came back, fell to them at 18. And let's remember this. He fell to them at 18 and hasn't panned out. Sandine looks like he's going to be a really good NHL player. But then you start looking down the line at the at recent drafts since 2016, 17, and you're kind of going, where are any of these guys? I don't see anybody other than Robertson and Sandine that's ready to step into an NHL lineup. Where are all these guys? And I'm not saying it's time to panic or anything. It's just they better they better get something special done here within the next couple of years because Tavares is only going to get older. Matthews is only signed for five years. If they keep on creeping along here and lose in the first round, lose in the second round, blow 5-1 leads, it's one game, and I know we've we've dug into a lot here off one game, but with a guy like Nylander and some of the roster concerns we've pointed out that still exist, you kind of step back and go, boy, I really hope they can get something done here because in a couple of years, if they still haven't won, it's going to get really tricky. You thought well, it was it, tricky to sign everybody? In, 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 
in all due defense here of, of Dubis, after I kind of basically said, you know what, he's got basically the rest of the season and the off season before I either say, you know what, yeah, he's doing a completely great job or it's time to try something else. Couple things here. When, when people say that Chicago didn't pay their players until after they won, totally understand that there's you run the risk of maybe guys getting complacent uh because they already got their money i would like to believe that 99 percent of most players want to win a stanley cup whether they're making seven hundred fifty thousand or they're making 11 million now i know so so that being said i don't really have a problem with dubas's approach i would rather pay, pay my top players what they're worth when they're actually top players. I, I don't want to pay a player $11.5 million like we're going to kind of have to do for Tavares as he exits his career. You went out, you, you, he, he, had, he had the faith in his core, and he paid them accordingly. Um, a lot of people harp at Mitch's contract. Right now, does anybody think that Mitch is not worth his contract? I, I, I can't. You, you can't say he's not worth his contract right now. Can anybody say Matthews isn't worth his contract right now? Nope. No. But, but what, 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 what does it look like in April? Okay. That's I, all I that matters. It, and I, 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 know- I, believe, I believe even the guys that are making $11 million, they play the game because they want to win a cup. Yeah. I, I, I'm not except saying. For, the- except for maybe Nylander. I'm not saying those guys don't have a desire to win. Tavares signed in Toronto because he wanted to come home and he felt they could win. He was excited about the young core. Matthew, same thing. Marner, same thing. I'm just saying that in an example of like Chicago, I would rather be sitting, like I've said numerous times, I don't want to hear Chicago Black Cox fans crying right now about how their team sucks. I feel awful for Jonathan Taves, by the way. I, I don't know what's wrong with him. There's rumors flying around that he's got a, a very serious illness. I really hope it's not true. I love Johnny T. I, I, I really hope that he's okay. But right now, I would take the pain of the last couple seasons to have won the three cups and be paying the guys millions of dollars. Same with L.A., I would, I'll take the three cups and I'll, and be upset for a few years, you know, and, and I'm not saying it wasn't right to pay these guys. Did Marner get a little too much at the time of signing? I believe so. Yes. But right now it's irrelevant. Is Is it it worth it today? Right this second? Yes. Based on the way he's playing and producing points. Is it, are you going to feel the same way if in three years they still haven't won a cup, let alone a round? That's my point. So if they don't win soon, it's going to get extra tricky to continue to get this team going, even though you have those star players. So the, the, other, the other side to this is nobody and, and nobody could have foreseen the salary cap not going up two years in a row. Nobody could have foreseen COVID-19 affecting league revenue and once again affecting the salary cap. Yeah, that Maple Leafs brass made those signings with a mathematical number involved as to where the salary cap realistically was supposed to be right now. I I know. So and- nobody nobody could have 
could have foresaw what was going to happen. I know over the next couple of years. So when, when the, for me, the argument that Marner got maybe half a million or a million more than he might've been worth or, or 2 million more than he might've been worth at the time. It's null and void. He's, he's a hundred point scorer in the NHL. He's worth every penny of it. Now it, it's over. Forget about it. He's, well, he's got to get it. So is, so is Matthews. So for me, that's not even a storyline because if everything would have went revenue wise, the way it should have been, we I, would have had an extra eight, $9 million to play with right now with this roster. Roughly. Yeah. Based on what they thought the math was going to be, but, and it's a tough hand to be dealt. And I'm, I'm aware of that. And I give Dubas that, that leeway. I do. I'm just saying that, in a couple of years, like the, this group has to move past these Ottawa games like last night and, and past the, the tribulations of the Boston series and the David Ayers and, and eventually cleanse the haunted house of all of these ghosts that are hanging around and get something done. They, well, they still haven't won a playoff round and they're paying guys a gajillion dollars. I think they're all very good players. It's just this kind of thing. And yes, it's one game in a weird regular season, but this kind of thing has got to stop in April. It's well, fine to go. It's February. It's one game there in first in April, first, second, third, doesn't matter. Did you beat the team in the series? Yes or no. Well, so again, far, no. At, at this point in time, it's we're, we're starting to circle back into the same I conversation know. because now all I'm going to say is, yep, somewhere up and down that line went when up and down that bench, behind the bench, up in the GM's box, somewhere somebody has to make this team accountable, make the players accountable when when guys uh, like Simmons aren't there to to shift the tide. And, and on that note, let's shift the tide away from the Leafs. Like it's been over an hour here. It's uh, a good I know, discussion. I know, I know you really wanted to dive into the Arizona Coyotes uh, debacle of, of a report that's coming out of there. Uh, by what, what, what was the young lady's name from the athletic Katie Sprang? Well, it's Katie J Strang. She's a senior Strang. columnist and, and writer. And I believe editor as well with the athletic. Yeah. Um, my God, what a scathing report out of Arizona. And I've mentioned it a couple times on this show, even when we had biz on and talked a little bit in our opening episode, go back and listen. We're on all the best podcast apps and YouTube. Um, we talked about it a bit with biz, some of the struggles that the organization has gone through just recently, let alone over their existence. And, you know, everybody that knows me that broaches this subject with me knows that I don't believe that the Arizona coyotes should exist. I don't think that they deserve to have a hockey team there. And I know there are fans. Of course, there's going to be some fans of a major sports team, they don't have enough of a fan base to justify keeping them there based on all of this. It's one thing when a team like the Rangers struggle or something. It doesn't matter. Rangers nation's huge. They've got a bazillion fans that will still come to Madison Square Garden. That's not the case in Arizona. And on top of so many issues, moving the arena because it was cheaper 
to Glendale was a disaster. That was coffin nail number one. Because I interviewed Mike Gartner a few years ago, and you'll remember he he got traded to the Arizona Coyotes from the Leafs, I believe. Um, and he said the first couple of years there was great. People were interested. The rink was right downtown. Ease of access, public transit, everything. Then they got cheap when the arena, I believe, got torn down and the Suns built their new facility, which wasn't a dual sport facility. And they went out to Hilla River Arena, which is what it's called now in Glendale. Now my girlfriend's family goes to Arizona. They have a house down there. They love it. They've been to numerous coyotes games and say the rink's beautiful. It's beautiful. But the problem is that it's in the middle of nowhere based on where Phoenix is. It's like a 45 minute drive. It's a disaster. Now that all, and their failings to even be competitive over the years, that all would be enough. I'm already of the opinion that they're a garbage franchise that's had way too many bullets in the chamber. Then this happens. You'll remember, obviously, and Biz brought it up with us, that Alex Morello is the new majority stake owner. He owns 95% of the team. This is a guy of Cuban heritage. His parents came over here, the, the old American dream. They came over with a box of cigars. It's all here in the story. That's all they had. He goes to college, becomes a great young entrepreneur, takes this failing local pizza business, turns it into a multinational chain. Then he starts buying real estate and casinos. Then he buys a sports team. And this isn't the first time he's tried to do this. In 2011, he tried to buy the Atlanta Hawks and the NBA nixed the deal because they were not confident in his ownership stability for a number of reasons. You can read all about it. Yeah. He gets the Coyotes and be, and and he got them because the NHL was desperate to have anybody take this team over because remember the league had to own it. So he takes over and it's just been a disaster. Rumors of toxic work environments, uh, a sexual harassment claim, not against him, yeah. but against a staffer at a Coyotes team function that is still in the courts. He, he put his son, Alex Morello Jr., and gave him the title of Strategic Advisor of Business and Hockey Operations. And based on the story, and Katie Strang, what a great piece in The Athletic here. She interviewed over 50 current and former employees. This guy doesn't have a clue about hockey. He watches YouTube videos all day. The director of scouting and the scouting staff tried to sit him down and teach him about hockey evaluation and player evaluation. Couldn't care less, but he's somehow the president of hockey ops. Makes no sense. Then, of course, we talked about it. They drafted Mitchell Miller in last year's draft, a PR disaster. Yeah. And, and they got raked over the coals. Remember initially they tried to defend it and say, we're going to try and work with them and make them a valuable member of the community. And it was quite clear that this kid did not deserve to be in the NHL. Um, so that all happens. And it says here that over the next couple weeks after they released his rights team staff, were like desperate to point the finger at anybody. Somehow the blame fell on a mental performance consultant with the team who came under scrutiny. And I quote, it was a peculiar development considering she had never before been considered a key decision maker with the team. Yet somehow they were blaming her and 
Katie actually interviewed her in the story and she said that she said in the draft meetings that she would not draft Mitchell Miller based on his psychological makeup that she observed. Yeah. So there's that one former employee and numerous employees have been in and out the door over the last 18 months under Morello's ownership, including most recently assistant GM, Steve Sullivan, who I'm sure he'll make a statement at some point, but another ugly look on the franchise. We all know about the John Chica thing. He couldn't wait to get out, and the NHL had to suspend him to yeah. somewhat look like they were standing up for the Coyotes. One former employee said, quote, remarking about the change since Morello assumed ownership of the Coyotes, quote, you don't understand the value of culture until you see it deteriorate. Who the hell says that about the Arizona Coyotes? What culture? <laughs> the culture of suck? And this guy, like, that's crazy that that kind of statement's being made about the Coyotes. They don't even have a culture. It gets, it gets worse. Bill Armstrong, formerly of the St. Louis Blues, who was a gritty minor league player. He worked his way up through the hockey ranks and won a Stanley Cup and then got hired as the GM of the coyotes this is even worse katie strang is doing her observations and they ran an initial early story an earlier report before this big one came out today and bill armstrong contacted katie strang and basically voiced a bunch of displeasures about the way she was going about doing her reporting um you know doing what reporters do calling people and getting multiple angles on a story. And he actually said to her, and she says this in the story. And for anybody wanting to get an audio representation of this, the athletic does this podcast called the lead. And she was on it today. You can check the episode out. Bill Armstrong, the GM of the team contacted her and asked her quote, what do you think other teams will say and think when I tell them how you're going about doing your job? What? <laughs> A GM said that? Yeah. That's unbelievable. And uh, also, multiple reports of eight, eight or ten, I can't remember the number, local businesses and, and outlets that are owed hundreds of thousands of dollars by the coyotes. They'll get a service done from a business, a catering company, whatever. And they'll default on payments. And then they'll call them and intimidate them into giving them a lower rate and just go, you're going to take this or nothing. They've had multiple lawsuits over it, including with a number of former employees that are still going before the courts. They've missed paying player bonuses on time in the bubble and the NHL tried to shuffle this under the rug. In the bubble, they missed paying uh, player per diem. The NHL PA had to get involved in that one. The PA had to get involved, and they let it go because within the very next day of the report coming out, it was solved. They realized, boy, we better actually pay our players. Again, right, you don't get paid for the playoffs, but you get per a per diem. diem. Yeah. They weren't paying their per diems. It even went so far, and this is the final point I'll make because we're almost out of time. It even went so far they're so stingy, and a lot of the former employees and current employees criticize Morello's ownership group for essentially trying to run a sports franchise like a pizza joint 
or, or, or a traditional business because he, he had that pizza joint success and, yeah. and a casino. And they're like, you can't run this like this. It, it doesn't make sense. And it even went so far. You remember last year in the bubble, Arizona beat the Nashville Predators in the play-in round. One of those games went to like double overtime. And in the double overtime, we've heard stories about this throughout hockey history. When games go real long and deep into the night, typically the team will like wheel in pizzas and energy bars and orange juice, just anything to get the players any carbs. Yeah. The players wanted some pizza. The team said that it was an unnecessary expenditure. They wouldn't buy the pizza, dark guy. <laughs> like, how dysfunctional does this have to get? It's just it, like the fire gets bigger and bigger. Like, I can't believe this franchise exists still. Well, how I- is this happening? Go to Quebec. Gary, no one will blame you. Why are you standing by this failed, broken toy? Jesus, when my GI Joes lost a leg, I threw them out. Like, (laughs) why are you defending this? Why do you defend this thing that just bleeds money? Go to Quebec, even with the Canadian dollar exchange, you'll make more money. What is happening here? Why does this franchise still exist? And and now it's even worse with these allegations of brutal work environments and employees in and out the door. Even at the top, Steve Sullivan, very respected NHL player. He doesn't even want to be a part of it anymore. So this is such a joke. The, the, problem, the problem I have here is, and, and it, this kind of goes a little more towards, I think, an underlying problem with the whole entire board of, of governors, uh, which is consistent of every single owner in the NHL. Mm. Uh, there's a couple different things here. One, there, there, there is some, there is some blind loyalty to Gary. Gary's made the owners a lot of money. Um, he, he's grown the game revenue wise. Um, yeah. The way he said he was going to, he did that at the expense of some Canadian markets, which, well, obviously Winnipeg has their team back now, but it was so much about, about U.S. TV dollars. And the more teams you had in the U.S., the bigger his revenue was going to be from his TV contracts. I am grateful to have Austin Matthews, who would not be in the NHL, most likely would not be a hockey player if maybe it wasn't for the Arizona Coyotes. Maybe. But I agree, it's, it's time to let it go. The bigger thing, which is a little more concerning is, and maybe I have, maybe he has, and and I haven't seen it yet. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I haven't seen a statement from the NHL on this. We have talks of improper treatment. We have uh, accusations of sexual harassment. And against another team staffer, just to clarify, not the owner. Yeah, no, no, against one of the staff of the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, they're unnamed for obvious legal reasons. Yes, but where where is the NHL and Gary Bettman? Gary Bettman needs to be front and center right now and saying, these are some serious accusations, and we are doing a full investigation to get to the down to the bottom of, of 
what's going on in Arizona. And if we, when, if, and when we did figure out who's responsible, they will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And, and Arizona will be punished. If, if that means multiple fines to the point where they can't sustain existence anymore, then like you said, there's a brand new arena waiting in Quebec city. Yeah. The that, Pepsi sponsored Videotron is begging for a team. Like, there should have been, in my opinion, a, a, a team put into Quebec city long before Seattle, as much as I'm a fan of the Seattle Kraken. And I love that they went with that name. I love that, you know, before the beginning of the game, it's going to be release the Kraken. <laughs> I think they'll do. I think they'll do well. Yeah. I think, I think they'll do well. It's absolutely. Just, but you have a city there sitting in Quebec and, and the only reason Seattle got it was for balance for, for the East and West. They had to balance yeah. it out. Get totally understand, but that 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 market is dying for a team. They're hungry. They never stop loving hockey. You can bring back another rivalry between Quebec and Montreal. It just makes too much sense to not do it. Let's get it over with. The experiment is over. But again, it, it kind of goes back to Gary uh, and and a little bit perhaps of his own arrogance and not wanting to admit that he was wrong. Like you'll never hear Gary say I was wrong. Ever. And, and I think that's part of the reason why they're still, they're still the Arizona Coyotes. And I don't even think people want to hear him say he's wrong. He didn't with Atlanta. And let's be honest here. The only reason that the Winnipeg Jets are the Winnipeg Jets is because it came down to the last hour and they literally couldn't find a single person of any wedge of wealth that was interested in buying that crap franchise yeah. in Atlanta. And so they were late. There is no way if some average business group in the state showed up that they would have sold it to Mark Chipman. No way, but literally no one would buy it. And so they were like, well, it has to go somewhere. I guess it can go to Canada. I don't even want to hear him say I'm wrong. Hockey won't work in Arizona maybe it could have if there weren't so many misdirections on the way, but it's just been one thing after another, the arena garbage location, constant draft failures, uncompetitive teams, bad trades, 700 general managers, 7,000 ownership groups, bad season ticket sales. Cause no one wants to drive a gajillion miles from the middle of downtown where everything's happening to the middle of the desert. The nice thing- as an arena as it is. It just oh. over and over. How many bullets does the corpse have to take before we just fold shop here, guys? I don't get it. To be fair, I don't think you can steal the Ottawa Senators' excuse about not having a arena downtown. That that that's theirs to hold on to. It's but it's just <laughs> I know, Uncle. <laughs> I know. It's too hard to get to the arena. I'm a sense fan, but it's too hard to get to the arena. I know. It, it's just one thing after another, and now this. Like, just when is when is it going to end? And just have it be a situation where they can like i don't know even like they've talked about houston numerous numerous times like just anything but this and sweep everybody out of the front office and start fresh somewhere preferably quebec just 
this cannot continue for much longer. It's a joke of a look for the league. And it's a joke of a look for the sport, really. And I'm just fed up with talking about the Arizona tire fire coyotes. I'm sorry, biz. I'm, I'm sorry. Coyotes fans to the, you know, few of you. That's just a fact that there are. No, I agree. It's, over. Uh, it's it's time. It's time to move on. Hockey, uh, hockey in in Arizona did not work out uh, as well as it did in the other desert out in Vegas. So, time to move on. Uh, and on that note, we're gonna move on from this episode of the Smoke Show. I'm tired. Oh, I I did I did a lot of we did a lot of yelling and debating about the Leafs for a good hour and twenty minutes. That's fun. <laughs> So either either we gained a whole bunch of Leaf fan listeners or a whole bunch of people who are waiting to hear us talk about a few other teams tuned out. <laughs> so if you're still here, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We appreciate it, of course. Uh, to sum it up, folks, it's okay to be critical of the Leafs. It's okay to be upset at a horrible performance. But it's not okay to use that in this as an excuse to be mean to your fellow human being. Yeah. Let's tomorrow's let's tomorrow's a new down. day. There's another game. The professionals have good memories, but short memories for a reason. They learn something and they move on. So maybe we as fans could take a page from their book and do that. Huge. Thank you to Matt for listening to us yell here for the last hour and a half. Our producer. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Huge. Thank you. Uh, to uh, the FHN network for having us on. And uh, of course, a huge thank you to dry County for uh, the, the song for the opening credits. Hey, Hey, cheers. Absolutely love that tune. And one last thing I wanted to do before we go, and I forgot to do it earlier is uh, curse, curse our, our, our counterparts over on off the puck hockey. Uh, Tyler finds Adam styles. Uh, they were broadcasting live last night and going on about, oh, the Leafs are going to win this game. The Leafs are going to win this game. The Leafs are going to win this. Oh. I guess they're not going to win this game. So, <laughs> you boys there, Tyler, Adam, uh, listen. Next time you're, you're broadcasting during the game, just zip it. Don't, don't curse the team. Uh, oh. Huge thank you to my co-host, Ryan Jury. Until next week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, where there's smoke, there's there's fire. This has been an FHN production. Listen to our new shows every week on Thursday on any podcast platform. Also, check out our live shows on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch.